Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Brian Brooks. I'm the pastor here at Haven. We're very, very glad that you're with us this morning on this rainy day. I, you know, I, I make it a practice every Sunday morning to, at the beginning, to go back and just hang with the kids and pray with each of the classrooms. And my prayer for each of them was, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've made. And I know sometimes, you know, the, the rain comes down. We feel, oh, it's a gloomy day. I don't want to do it. But I'm always reminded that when the rain comes down, it's a reminder that God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit on us. And so I'm asking you to anticipate a pouring out of the Spirit on you this morning. I know we come every Sunday morning at different places in our journey. Some of you might be just seeking to understand what it means to be a Christian. And I pray that you've already begun to sense there's something different about this I like to call us a motley crew. But God is good. And God is moving in this place even now. And I, I want you to be readying yourself to hear from the word of the Lord. Uh, we have been going through a message series called Building a New You. Now, I know at the start of every year, you know, there's always a lot of messaging about, okay, let's, let's set some New Year's resolutions and so forth. And, you know, we've talked about this over the last few weeks, how, you know, the gyms pack out at the start of the year and then give it a month or two, it just thins right back out. And, you know, I, I, I didn't even ask this year. In the past years, I've asked, how many of you guys do resolutions? And there might one or two hands go up. And uh, it's like, you know... <laughs> The way we have approached New Year resolutions has always been, let me get a list of things that I want to do different. But, but we've not really stopped to think about really what, what it's required to make change in our lives. And for the believer, for any of us who say, I follow the Lord Jesus, you, you know that you can't stay the same. God has a calling on your life to be continually transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And none of us are there which means that we need to be continually pressing into how do I cooperate with the work the Spirit of God wants to do in me to make me like Jesus. And so that's what we've been talking about since the start of the year. We started by addressing the importance of how do I think? How do my thoughts affect my, my emotions? How do they affect then my behavior, or my, my frame of reference when I look at the world? And then we went from there to talk about, how do I see God? If I have a distorted view of God, I'm going to have a distorted view of my faith. I'm going to have a distorted view of myself. I'm going to have a distorted view of people. And so I've got to start to see things differently. And last week, we talked about the importance of listening. And, and I, I, I put it out there that in, if we don't learn to listen, we can't really love properly. That, that listening is essential to loving and that loving is the essence of the gospel. And today as we continue kind of working through the metaphor of the body and how we think and how we see and how we listen, I want to speak on how we speak. <laughs> I'm going to be uh, launching again as I did last week in the part one of this particular uh, part of the series uh, by looking at James chapter 1 verse 19 and then we're going to focus on the, the third chapter of, of James, the first 12 verses. Um, if you are able, could you please stand for the reading of God's word? <clears throat> James chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. 
My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now, many of you should, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The word of the Lord. God, we thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you that it is spirit-empowered and God-breathed and it is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. And I pray this morning, Lord, that we would hear from heaven. God, I recognize that I am a, an earthen vessel, flawed, but Lord, it has been your good pleasure to deposit the treasure of the gospel in earthen vessels, that your treasure would shine, that you would receive the glory. Would you do that this morning, Lord God? Would you, uh, Lord, give us all ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, that we would be transformed just a bit more into the likeness of Jesus. We pray that this in his name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So, so, so uh, thank you for returning. I, I know last week's message uh, was challenging. And uh, by the way, if you ha are new and you'd like to get caught up, all of our messages are on YouTube and on Spotify and, and on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can re-listen to any of them. Uh, I, I shared with you that this series has been very stretching for me personally. That, that, that I don't stand up here as, a, as an expert, like I've got this all together. I am very much on this journey, and I, the things that I am learning, I have failed at many times, but I am persuaded that God is doing a good work in me, even as he's doing a good work in you. He tells us that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He write, Paul writes to the Romans that, 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 that God has predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And so the only thing that really hinders that is, is our resistance. If we are yielded to what God wants to do, he says, I'm going to do this work in you. I, one of my professors way back in the day when I was in seminary said, God's word must sing. And I hope it's been singing to you. But he says it must also sting. 
And, and we need both. We need that encouragement from God's Word to know that it's singing to our hearts. And then sometimes we go, ah, that kind of stings because I'm not where I know I am going to be. And so I just ask that we would at least be yielded to what God wants to do in you today. May it sing, may it sting, may he speak to your hearts this morning. Last uh, week, uh, we launched with uh, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Uh, the, the, the following verses really emphasize the importance of really listening. And we learn to listen to one another by learning to listen to God. And it ended on, with verse 25 last week. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. And he's mixing metaphors. He says, you look into this perfect law and continue, not forgetting what you've heard as you look into it. But doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And I want to remind us that as we yield ourselves to the things of God, we should anticipate God's pouring out his blessing on us. We should desire his blessing. We, we live in a, an upside-down world that is continually seeking blessing. And we really need to be seeking the blessor, but understanding that he desires to bless. And then the, the, the next verse, verse 26 says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. What is he saying here? He's saying essentially that our words reflect our faith, that what comes out of our mouths, the words that we speak, is a reflection of what kind of faith we really have. So there's something, again, about learning to control our words, our tongues, our speech, that in turn develops a real faith. So chapter 2 gets into the truth that God shows no favoritism. No matter who you are, and this is one of the things that we have tried to communicate from day one of this church, that no matter who you are, whatever your background is, what, what your socioeconomic class is, what your ethnicity, your, all of these things make no difference to God because he shows absolutely no favoritism. You come as you are. Amen? He, he says these words, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous in what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his, his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. You know, God looks at you, child of God, and says, the amazing thing about my Lord Jesus Christ is that I'm his servant, but he says, but I call you friend. And you need to know that he wants to look at you and say, this is my, my friend. Abraham was called a friend of God. But then he says these words. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Now, now, you need to understand, this in no way contradicts Paul when he writes to the Ephesian church and he says these words, for it is by grace that you've been saved by faith. And this not by, by works. It's not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. It's not contradicting that. 
Paul says, it is by faith and faith alone you're saved. And, and James now is saying, it's not by faith alone. But, but if you read Paul carefully, you'll see the very next verse in Ephesians. He says, for you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do as his masterpiece. So there's no contradiction there. But, but what he's saying is that real faith manifests itself. It shows itself. And, 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 you know, it might seem like James is digressing here, but you'll see right away he comes right back to the, the power of the tongue and how this affects our faith. And so this is why we need to be continually transformed with each passing day to look more and more like Jesus. Our words reflect our faith. He addresses teachers now. Those of us who have been called to preach and teach God's word. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Every one of us has influence. And so we do need to, to watch our words. But for someone who is in a place where I'm communicating to a, a broad set of people, people online, things like that, that the, 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 the judgment is stricter because God is saying you're influencing the lives of people. You, you know, everybody these days wants to be an influencer on the internet, right? And I'm just like, be careful what you ask for. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say, watch us now, carefully, watch us. In what they say is perfect. If we never make a mistake in what we say, we're perfect. Able to keep the whole body in check. He's saying, if your words are always under control, the rest of you will be made perfect. You know what Jesus' calling on your life is to be perfect. He said, be perfect as I am perfect. We're called to be perfect. And somebody's, somebody's here listening to me saying, well, we can't do that. Well... You're not going to arrive in this lifetime. But the calling on your life is to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And he was perfect. So what it says to you and to me, and this is part of the exciting thing about the Christian journey, is that there's always more. God always has more for us. We never arrive. And God's ways are good. He says you do these things and you will be blessed. So, you know, I anticipate every single year, this is going to be my best year yet. And last year, man, I mean, I went through some ups and downs. But up until that point, even with my ups and downs, it was my best year yet. Why? Because I'm growing in the grace of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the more we know him, the more we know his ways, that even in the, those places that seem dark, that seem uncomfortable, we know God is working. And so it's good. And so even in tears, we can, we, we can smile and say, God is with me. If God is with me, who can be against me? So, so, so what he's saying here is that one of the ways that we cooperate with the work that he wants to do to make us like Jesus is by starting to control this thing called the tongue, our words. Everything we've talked about over the last several weeks, they overlap. Okay, so I said, I'm not going to just work only on my speech and ignore what it means to think correctly and to see people correctly and to listen with the Spirit's ears. It, 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 
we, we can't break it down like that. But, but this is a key aspect of understanding what genuine faith looks like. I have to learn to control my tongue. It's a reflection of my faith. And so he gives now a, a, a couple of few examples of what that's like. He says, you know, when we put the bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not experienced on a horse. Lisa, who has just appeared, you, she used to have horses. But I've ridden a little bit, and, and, and I enjoy riding, though I don't have much experience. But it is kind of a, a, an amazing thing. You see this, this massive creature, and you're on its back, and just by turning its bit... You're controlling the direction of the animal. It's, it's, it's a pretty powerful thing. And the next example he gives is, is the ship. I've done a, you know, when I was at Georgia Tech way back in the day, I was part of the, the, the sailing club. I'd go down to Lake Lanier and try to, hey, there's this little thing, this little rudder at the back. It's moving this vessel. You know, typically the rudder of a ship is about a hundredth the size of the ship. It's a little thing, but he says it just it controls its direction. It tells it where it's going to go. And he's saying, likewise, the tongue, it's a, it's a small part of the body. This little thing called the tongue. You know, it's, it's, you know language is so, so amazing to me. You know, obviously, it's my thinking that controls my language. But, but, but I can choose to speak or not to speak, right? <laughs> I think I have something to say to you this morning. But he says it makes great boasts. C consider a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. You know, oftentimes when you see these wildfires in, 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 in California, it's hard for them to determine sometimes how did this start. It might have been a lightning strike. It could have been a match. It's a little thing. Some of us have heard of the, the great Chicago fire from 1871. It, it, it killed about 300 people. This destroyed about 2,000 acres of the city. 17,000 buildings torn down. 100,000 residents homeless. And from what they know, I mean, there's some speculation on this, but it began in a little neighborhood southwest of the city. Fire leaps over the Chicago River. It destroys much of central Chicago. It, it, it consumes the north side. And... and from what we know, it started about 8.30 p.m., one little evening in a little barn, and it's assumed this cow kicked over a small lantern, and the whole city goes up. He's saying, the tongue is like that. I, I can say, little words can, can shape the direction of a person's life. He says, the tongue is like a fire. A, a world of evil among the parts of the body corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. Our words have power to change lives. I'm sure you all heard when you were a kid, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never harm me. What utter rubbish. <laughs> right? I mean, I look at my body. I've got scars all over. I've got, a, I've got a wound here that, you know, I was cutting carrots one day and I... And Foolishly, I'm cutting it in this direction. It sliced down to the ligament. I mean, I, mean, I can remember when I was, I was in the doctor's, there's blood everywhere. And, and, the, and, the, and the doctor says, oh, you see that little shiny thing there? That's the ligament. I don't feel a thing here now. I've forgotten about that. I've, I've got all kinds of scars in my body. I, I don't think about it at all. 
But there's about 20 years ago, I was going through some deep pain in my body. I couldn't stand like this. I was, I was in a lot of physical pain, and it, it prompted me to really, you know, I, 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 I certainly believe that a lot of ailment in our body is psychosomatic. It's related to our thinking. So I started going real introspective. And I remembered one day in particular, I don't know if I was maybe six, seven, eight years old. And I don't, I actually do remember what started it, but this was all completely suppressed. I had forgotten about this. And some kids started teasing me. And I started crying. And the more I cried, the more they teased me. And they surrounded me. They're making fun of me and everything. And I didn't realize until just 20 years ago I'd forgotten it, I'd suppressed it, I'd pushed it down. How painful that had been to me and how it had shaped my thinking and shaped me saying, I'm never going to allow something like that again. So I, I became hardened. Words have power. And then some years ago, I was at a, a neighborhood reunion. My, 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 I grew up with a, a bunch of folks all in the same neighborhood. And, and uh, that's a whole story if you want to know. I'll t some of you know the story. But, but we have these neighborhood reunions. And I, and I saw this guy I hadn't seen in several years. And he came up to me and said, he calls me Tommy. Everybody in Jamaica calls me Tommy. He says, Tommy, you remember that time we were at, at, at that party? And you were, I used to DJ on, on the mic. I used to... We're the Dalmatian people. I used, I, used to, I used to chat on the mic. Yeah. And, and I was decent, you know, but, but, but in my youth and naivete, I, I, I said, I, I had this, this DJ chant going, and I was really dissing this guy real bad. He came up to me. We're now adults with children, grown children, and he says, Do you remember that day? You, you dissed me, you know. I could tell he was hurt. I was like, I said things with my mouth. That wounded him for his lifetime. Our words have power. Our words have power. And we've, we've, we've got to bear that in mind. And, 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 and so even as we are seeking to understand our role before the Lord. What we're called to, how we're called to live. And this thing that God has given to us called real faith. It's key that we control the tongue. says all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind but no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison the proverbs tells us that the the tongue has the power of life and death with the tongue we praise our lord and father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in god's likeness remember that the call on the Christian life, if you, if you want to summarize the gospel, it's love in one word. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus says the second commandment is just like it. Love your neighbors yourself. He says all the law, all the prophets hang on these two commandments. And what James is saying here now is that I praise God with my mouth, so I'm saying I love you, Lord, but I don't love you. As a matter of fact, I really don't like you at all. I speak badly about you. He says, that can't happen. How does that happen? Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a, a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine vine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. 
back in the the 80s when I was I I, I worked in the summer summers with GE down in Daytona Beach and and uh, there any of you know the Daytona area you know there's a, a little area called Ponds Inlet and I, I learned to jet ski back in the day this was with, with the jet skis where you actually had to stand up on it and I'd go jet skiing in in, in the Ponds Inlet and and uh, you know you fall into the Ponds Inlet and you realize this water is brackish. You know what I mean by brackish? It, it, it's, it's, you've got the, the fresh water from the mainland coming in and meeting with the, the Atlantic Ocean. And it's not as salty as the Atlantic Ocean, but the fresh water doesn't make this water fresh. It's still brackish. It's salty. And he's saying you can't have the two coming together because it just makes it salty. So I can't say, oh, praise the Lord. He's such a wonderful guy. And then I'm speaking badly to another person. Made in the image of God. I don't see God with my natural eyes. He's in the spirit. He's here with us right now. Did you know that? He's right beside you. He's with you right now. And all those people who are beside you, God is saying, do you love me? Love them. Those people that you don't like at work. He says, love them. Those people on the other side of, of the, the political spectrum, wherever you are, that the talking heads are telling you that you're supposed to hate. He said, no, you're supposed to love them. You're supposed to love them. You, you know, it's interesting. Again, listen to the language he uses. You know, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? You know, Jesus uses the same kind of language. In speaking of false teachers, he says in Matthew 7, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do, not, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Same, same language. Likewise, every tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And he goes on to say in, in, in chapter 12 of Matthew, Jesus again speaking, make a, make a good tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Do you get what I'm saying? The words I'm using reflect my faith. And so I, I can't say, I, what kind of tree are, you, are this? Is this tree reflective of someone who follows Jesus, but the fruit is bad? We got to watch our tongues. There's a correlation between our language and our living. Our words reflect our faith. Let's go back to James 1, 19. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Uh, that, that communicates to me that when I'm listening to somebody, I, well, if you missed last week's message, please go and listen, because we need to listen. We need to learn what it means to listen. You listen, and sometimes we're not really listening. We just we, we, we're ready with our rebuttal. We want to give, give you the right answer because we've got all the right answers, right? You listen to the talking heads enough, they'll give you all the right points, and you've got all the answers. And so we don't need to listen, right? No, no, no. We need to listen and really slow down. In other words, he's saying we, we got to think before we speak. That's where we started the series, right? We're not, you need to learn how to think. You got to think before you speak. Now, now, now I want to give you a little grid to put your thinking through. It's an acronym you may have heard before, but, but it's very helpful. If I want to 
say some words, the first thing I've got to ask myself, is it true? This is the T. Is it true? I, I, I am blown away at the number of people who say they're Christians who get a little, um, I don't know if a bot or whoever else or somebody puts a little thing in their, in their Facebook page or in their feed or their Twitter and they just immediately just forward it without asking, is it true? When I speak, if I'm a Christian, I, I, I need to speak truth. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body, Ephesians 4.25. We need to make sure it's true. Is it helpful? Is it helpful? Does this, does, does this give that person some, some, some tools with which they can deal with what they're dealing with? It, 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 am I meeting them after listening? Am I giving them, not just, uh, you who were here last week will understand what I'm saying, not just have you considered switching grocery stores <laughs> but but does this build you up you know do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it might benefit those who listen is what you're saying beneficial to your listener is it inspiring is it inspiring? Does it motivate this person to say, yes, I want to make some change. I, want, I, I, I can hang in there. I, I know that what I'm going through is difficult, but the words you've spoken to them said, you know, God is on you. He's working in and through you. Trust him for this, my brother, my sister. Are the words you're speaking inspiring? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build up each other. He says, just as you are doing if you're doing it, I want to say, my brothers and sisters, I want to fan that into flames. Keep doing what you're doing. When I stand up here on a Sunday morning, I want to inspire you to live in a way that you know you can do it. Not because Pastor Brian said it or because you have so much wherewithal within you. No, because the Spirit of God lives in you and says, I'm doing a work. All you got to do is cooperate with me. Amen. Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? <laughs> Because we don't always have to say anything, right? Sometimes we feel like, I just got to speak my truth. But this is to help this person. You know, uh, you know I just want to let them know my world and my... You know, Ephesians tells us that we need to speak the truth in love. Some of us just want to speak the truth with no love. Is it necessary? And the case, is it Kind. Is the way that I speak to you kind? You know, so many, you know, sometimes we don't think. And so, you know, we don't always speak truthfully. It's not always helpful. It's not always inspirational. It's not always necessary. It's not always kind. Sometimes we just want to talk. We put our language through this kind of a grid. And there are other, you know, this is not by any means exhaustive. But we put our language through this kind of grid. And I am convinced we will be blessed. Because when I, when I respond to you, you're angry at me, and I respond in anger. What, what does that do? The, 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 the Proverbs tells us, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a gentle answer that turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. You respond to me. And you know where this comes from? It comes from your and my insecurity. You know, somebody attacks me. 
Again, you know, I, 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 I can blame it on all kinds of stuff like these kids teasing me in the past. I'm not putting it up, putting it up with that anymore. So I grew up fighting. I, you know, if anybody came at me, I'm coming right back at that. And you know the best defense is what? What did you say, Adam? Karate. <laughs> that, that's what we're taught, right? You attack me, I'm going to attack you back. And if, if, if I have a genuine faith, however, I, I can see through what you're doing. And I can listen to the Spirit and say, this person is hurting. I don't have to take it personally. You're in a place where I understand. And this gets back to, again, seeing myself. I'm a beloved child of God. You know, it's, it's when I forget these kinds of things that I feel like I've got to respond to attack with attack. But it's just, it's, it, 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 it's just revealing my own insecurity. If I can respond to an attack with kindness... Now, I, I can't change anybody else because somebody may not respond well to that, okay? Pe- pe- people are aware of that. But my responsibility is to say, I'm going to respond with, ki- with kindness. Go ahead, my brother. It's turning the other cheek. Yeah. And that's, I know it's easier said than done, but we are being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Th- this is the Christian journey. It's why, actually, many people never enter the journey. Because from a natural perspective, always seem right to us, but God's ways are very, very different. <laughs> they are different, but they're right, and they're good, and they're blessed. And I know all of us, every human being desires fruit of the Spirit, even though they may not articulate it, or they might seek it in different ways. But we all want love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. We all desire that, but our distorted thinking, the way we perceive the world, the wounds that we have experienced in life, have us responding and reacting, I should say, reacting to the world around us rather than responding in a way that reflects who we are in Christ. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So, so you, you, remember what he said, you know, you know, if you can control this thing, then you're made perfect. Okay, how many perfect people we got in here? Ah, well, well I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, in the spirit, that's how God sees you. That's how he sees each one of us. He sees us in the state to which we are to become. He sees it as a done deal. But we're in space and time. And, and in space and time, we've not arrived yet. In space and time now. In, 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 from an internal perspective, God sees you glorified. He sees what you're, you're going to become. So, so, so the journey then says, I, I, I've got to do what God says to do in order that I'm not just hearing the word, but I'm doing it. And he's emphasizing in particular the control of the tongue. So what happens then if I have failed? I've bombed terribly. And oh my goodness, the number of times that I have failed egregiously. That means really, really terribly, Adam. (laughs) It means that when I fail, what do I do about this? I have said words even recently that I, I feel shame. 
How could that come out of my mouth? I want this pure water that is praising God. How can I then say something to another person that is so bitter and salty? How can I do that? But we do because we still have the sin nature. But God has given us a remedy. God has given us a remedy for this. What's the remedy? It's confession. It's going back to the person. I want to be prompt to apologize. If I have said words to you that have been harmful and hurtful, I want to be prompt to go back and to apologize. And this, again, I think is one of the reasons people don't even come to faith because that's so hard for us. Our pride gets in the way. Our ego gets in the way of apologizing. It's the other person's fault. Jesus puts it this way. He, he, he in a part of the, the teaching from the, the Sermon of the Mount, we're going to be looking at that during the Lent season. We're going to be looking at the Beatitudes in particular from Matthew 5. But later in that, in that same sermon, he says these words. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, you come before the Lord, and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift. Go and be reconciled. Once that's happened, then come back with your offering. Jesus loves each of us so very much, you know. And I just think about, you know, the way he treated the outcasts, the downtrodden, those people who, you know, recognize that life has dished them a bad deal. But Jesus was rough when it came to the the religious leaders, and he calls them hypocrites and whitewashed tombs, and he comes on hard on them. And so he's saying here, don't be like them. Don't, don't come say, I'm going to go praise God, and, and, but I'm not treating my neighbor. I, 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 I'm in, in turmoil with my neighbor, but I'm going to go ahead and just pretend like everything. Oh, let's come to church. How are you, brother? Praise the Lord. And, you know, I mean, this is one of the reasons people don't come to faith. You know, they, they see those of us who call ourselves Christians living in ways that in church service we dress up nice and, you know, we're all pretty and look good and we have all the right jargon and everything. And then we get outside and we just like, you know, like, like devils. In our homes, the way we treat our spouses. It's like this, he's saying this ought not be. I appreciate what Joel was saying at the, at, the, at the end of the worship in song. That, that this is not a Sunday thing. This is, this is, this is, this is the, the huddle. This is where we get together. The service begins once you leave. This is where you, you take what you've heard and say, now I've got to apply it day by day through, through the week. So we got to learn to uh, apologize. It, it, it's, it's not, and we're not talking about the, the, the sort of empty apology. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. What else do you want? That, that's not apology. You know, it's, it's entering into that space where you, under, you empathize with the hurt that has taken place. And, and it's genuine. You, you know, it's not excessive. You know, oh, I'm so sorry. It was because of that. And you start using excuses and all that. It's like, look, look, this ain't about you. It's about the person that you've hurt. Now, there's a proper place for feeling grief for our hurt. And we, we, we don't want this to be incomplete. Look, I'm sorry for what happened. If you thought that was what was, I'm sorry that you felt that way. You've, you've heard that? Maybe you've used that one. 
I'm sorry that you felt that way. Not sorry for what I have done. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, bless his heart, <laughs> said these words, which I, you know, I was, never ruin an apology with an excuse. Right? Uh, here's the thing. If you're like me, where you've said things that you can't change it. You really can't change it. It's out there. It's out there. You can't change the past. And an apology can't change the past, but it can certainly change the future. Because, you know, a, a biblical apology, the, the way we do this, The way God has taught us to do this acknowledges the wrongdoing. I, what I did, what I said was wrong. It, 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 there's an appeal for forgiveness. I, I, I'm asking you, would you forgive me for those words? So I think back to my conversation with my friend when he told me this. And I said, man, I am so sorry that I did that. That, that was so wrong. I should never have used those words. Chris, would you forgive me? Would you please forgive me? I, 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 and then there is this commitment to make sure that, that with the help of the Lord, this never happens again. It's called repentance. You know, I would never say anything like this to you again. Those words were coming out of a place that, that were wrong. They were lies. Acknowledge that they're lies, which means what? I partnered with the father of lies. I partnered with Satan. I am so sorry. Here's what God says about you. God says you're his beloved. God says you're precious in his sight. God says there's nothing that can separate you from his love. We speak words of life, and where we have done wrong, we apologize. Let me give you a third uh, tool that I think helps us with this, and it is to make praise your practice. Make praise your practice. You know, I'm looking again at that, the illustration he uses of the salt water and the fresh water. And they, when they come together, they, it's brackish still. I can't, I can't be praising God and then cursing my brother and sister. I can't do that. But I think that the more I make it a practice to praise the living God, to genuinely praise Him, to, to offer up worship, to, to spend time in the Psalms where I'm saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let all that is within me praise Him. All that is within me praise His name. The more I praise Him, the more I understand who He is, the more I understand who I am, the more I understand who people are, and the less likely it becomes that out of this mouth of praise will come cursing. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. With we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. If you belong to Jesus, and I know most of you have made that commitment to follow Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, he sees you complete, precious. He sees the finished product, who you are. Let's not cooperate with the devil. Because when you speak contrary to the things of God, that's what we're doing. Why would I want to do that? 
if you've not yet said yes to Jesus, and I recognize just as difficult as it is to say I'm sorry to a person, it's just as difficult to say sorry to God. That's why some of you have not made that decision yet, because to come to him, you've got to admit, I have wronged you many, many times. Because when you sin against another person, and you have, you've sinned against God. So, so I, I'm thinking of one person. I'm thinking of a few people who have sinned against me. And, but if I was to count it all, <laughs> oh, I'd get overwhelmed. And in one event in human history, the cross, God demonstrates his love, that he's giving his beloved son for you. And if you'll just admit, I'm wrong. I put Jesus on the cross. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm turning with the help of the Spirit you give me from that, and I want to now learn what it means to cooperate with you to become like you, Lord Jesus. We need to echo those words of the psalmist that says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you speak. For giving us this love letter from heaven that speaks life. Oh God, that we would not be just hearers of the word, but that we would be doers. That we would understand that we can't say we have faith, but won't act on it. And in this context, Lord, you've told us we need to bring our tongues under control. Forgive us, Lord, for those many times that we have spoken badly about people, to people. And I pray, God, that we would continually, this day forward, yield ourselves to saying, let's control the way we talk that we would think before we speak, that we would be quick to apologize, that we would practice praise. Thank you, God, that you see the finished work. We yield ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.